gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Rachel Miller. And today we're going to be doing part two of Boundaries. If you haven't listened to part one, you probably want to go back and do that. Last week we did kind of the first half of this episode, and we are uh, getting a lot of this from the book Boundaries. It's talked about in the Facebook group, if you're in there. It's talked about quite a bit, and there's a lot of great information. So we do recommend the book also. Um, before we dive into the subject, wanted to mention a couple things. If you want to support the work we're doing, you can do so monthly through Patreon, and everything I mention will be in the episode notes and on the webpage. You can do it through Patreon, or you can do a one-time donation through PayPal. Uh, you can also purchase some of our merch and or our journals, and another way you can support us is by sharing our episodes. So, Thank you to everyone that has done that. I, Rachel, I'm not real great on on Instagram, but I am trying to be better. I feel like maybe I'm too old to understand it fully, but I often will have women tell me, "Oh, so and so mentioned you on Instagram." So now I'm start since I'm trying to do better on Instagram, I'm starting to see that and. This week, um, paying attention, what I've seen is some of our older episodes, even like the one on denominations, mm -hmm. for instance, was was shared. So it's kind of fun to see that and get some feedback there. And we do like feedback. You know, I, I forget that we have listeners that aren't in the Facebook group, and we do get some feedback right in the group or through private message. But you can always email us, too, at theologygals at gmail.com. We, we're always encouraged hearing that feedback. So we kind of uh, stopped last week in talking about setting new boundaries, and we're going to even get into some specifics this week, but we're going to start 
this week with something called boundary problems. And what we mean by that is people who don't respect boundaries, they're controlling, abusive, manipulators, aggressive. And there's there's kind of some different things we're talking about when we talk about boundaries. When we set kind of our own boundaries, we need people to respect them. We We want to respect other people's boundaries. So there's some different ways that people may not respect boundaries. And maybe you can talk about those. So one of the things that they talk about in the book are various ways um, people either have difficulty with establishing good boundaries of their own, um, or also then the people who are are bad at um, or aggressive at uh, stepping on and stepping over other people's boundaries. So one of the things that they talk about is compliance. It's a type of boundary conflict mentioned in the book. And people who are compliant tend to have indistinct boundaries. um, And they tend to um, go with whatever people want from them or demand from them. Um, And I say this as someone who has struggled a lot with being a people pleaser. Uh, It's very easy to, to, um, for me to say, you know, well, I'd rather just go along with what they want instead of standing up for for what I think I should do or what would I need to do. Um, so it's not to, you don't want anyone to get mad, don't want anyone angry with me or upset with me or even disappointed. Uh, so I, this I'm, I'm very familiar with as, as a issue with setting boundaries for myself. This is not the same as, as trying to be polite. It's not the same as being uh, kind and respectful of others. It's not the same as helping others when they have a need, a legitimate need. This is the inability to stand on your own and say, you know, here's what I'm comfortable with and what I'm willing to do. And, you know, I'd like to help you, but these are, these are my, uh, my boundaries and my uh, responsibilities that I need to meet first. Another boundary problem is um, avoidance. This is uh, someone who just can't uh, stand to ask other people for help. They uh, don't recognize their own needs. They don't want to let others in to help them. Um, and they tend not to ask for support. And also, um, you know, when, the, when they have a need, they just kind of, I guess, withdraw into themselves instead of talking with others. And this is also some pla- a place that I struggle with. I am much happier uh, helping other people than I am asking for help. Um, I, this is something I can relate to very, very, very much. How you said you'd rather help other people than ask for help. And I I feel like the Lord, um, I guess, in his goodness, <laughs> kind of forced me to learn to be better at not doing that. Um, when I ha- started having some health problems, I I needed help so badly, I had to ask and accept help um when i was sick with uh my youngest my pregnancy with him um i literally couldn't do a lot of the things that i normally do really 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 difficult and it was like i felt embarrassed asking for help like and i legitimately needed help i couldn't take care of my normal things it was really hard. It was hard to accept it. It was hard to have people, and I'm so thankful they did. Like, oh my goodness, I can't say enough in in thanking the people who were there for us, right? But it was really hard for me 
to accept. Um, I'm getting better <laughs> slowly, but it's at it, but it's hard. It's hard to do. And I think a lot of it comes both compliance and avoidance. I think these are uh, issues that come about in uh, are very commonly in Christian conservative Christian circles because of what is expected of us as women. Um, yeah. We're expected That's a great to point. be uh, compliant. We're expected to be um, yielding and submissive and easygoing and not difficult. And so we're expected to have these very um, fuzzy boundaries. And we're also expected to uh, help others and not focus on ourselves. Right. And so then that gets internalized, whether people intended it or not, as. Uh, messages of, um, you know, it's wrong to have good boundaries and it's wrong to have, um, to need help. It's it's better to, you know, just stand on your own two feet. And then, of course, for men, too, the, they're told that it's not appropriate for them to need help or to ask for help. Yeah, or in some of the stuff we've talked about with men and women, um, kind of jumping into the next one, which is controllers, where I think sometimes women, are, it's almost like your husband sets your boundaries. Mm hmm sort of thing so the the next one controllers which really fits into some of the abuse stuff we've talked about is in in its simplest form not respecting others boundaries um controllers can't respect others limits you know we might think of 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 a controller in some of those closer relationships maybe like a husband or a parent or something like that but you can see aspects of this even with a sibling, with a friendship, um, could be with anybody. They resist taking responsibility for their own lives, and so they need to control others. Um, there's aggressive controllers, and I and there's also manipulate manipulative controllers. And I kind of think of this almost also not necessarily always the case, but when we talked about overt and covert. Mm narcissist some people are very manipulative so you don't even realize sometimes that it's going on yeah. um and a manipulator will deny their desire to control others um sometimes like even with a covert narcissist they they'll paint themselves as selfless and giving and that that's kind of how the manipulation works so they'll paint themselves as something that they aren't so you're right that we see this in different kinds of relationships. We may think about it first and foremost among um, our most intimate relationships, either with a spouse or with um, family members. But you can see this among friendships. You can see this in work relationships. You can see this uh, in churches, uh, both from leadership and also from people within the, the congregation who try to control others, either through aggression or through manipulation. So it, it's one of those things that you know we have kind of I guess certain stereotypical ideas about what this looks like. But I, I think if you think about relationships and people that you've known or situations that you've been in, you'll you'll realize that you've seen it more often than you expect. And I think in the spirit, this really fits into some of the spiritual abuse um, that we've talked about too. Now, compliance and avoidance can be controllers. They they aren't always, um, but they can be but they would be more manipulative than aggressive. Sure, and you you see that with, you know, somebody who is, like you said, they pretend to be, you know, very self-effacing or very, uh, you know, we're doing it for others or very giving, but 
what they're doing is really manipulating what they want done uh, or manipulating people through guilt or through, um, you know, subtle pressure. Um, again, I think we can all think of people that we've dealt with uh, and you realize later. Oftentimes, aggressive, you usually recognize it immediately. Manipulation, it, you often see it more in retrospect or after you've dealt with enough manipulative people, you begin to see it more, I think, earlier. So then we have non-responsives. And this one, right when I was reading about this one, I, you know, sometimes, probably as we're talking, some of our audience is thinking of specific people in their lives. But on the non-responsive, those with a, a critical spirit towards others' needs, um, and, you know, they mentioned projection, projection, a projection of our own hatred of our needs onto others, and... Um, there's even a passage, Matthew, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And they hate being incomplete in themselves. And as a result, they ignore the needs of others. You know, the next um, issue that we can get into with the book um, that we wanted to discuss is controlling people who are controlling and non-responsive. Right? So we've been talking about manipulation and uh, aggressive controllers. But people who are are non-responsive, so people who are, um, I guess, self-absorbed, self-centered, may also be uh, controlling. And the book quote here that I liked says that controlling non-responsives have a hard time looking past themselves. They see others as responsible for their struggles and are on the lookout for someone to take care of them. They gravitate towards someone with blurry boundaries who will naturally take on too many responsibilities in the relationship and who won't complain about it. Um, this is, uh, you know, it talks about it in terms of marriage, but this is something you can see uh, in, in friendships. I think you see it a lot uh, in uh, work relationships, either bosses that uh, don't want to take care of their own responsibilities and offload it to others, but also co-workers that may as well. Um, so the last boundary problem that we wanted to talk about is is a distinction between a functional and relational boundaries. Right? So a functional boundary is a person's ability to complete a task or a job. Um, it has to do with um, knowing how to get your work done whatever that work is, and relational boundaries, which are uh, the ability to speak uh, truth to others, to, to communicate well with others who are, we're in relationship with. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit later about some of the, the fears and difficulties that we have with setting boundaries. Um, you know, with, sometimes you, when you have people that you're very close to, you don't want to upset them, you don't want to um, uh, rock the boat and so we don't want to tell them that something they're doing is hurtful or something that they're doing um, isn't fair or kind or whatever um, so we we shy away from setting good boundaries so the issue is um, some people ha are really good at having functional boundaries, right? They, they're really good at taking care of their responsibilities and taking care of the things that they should be doing and planning well and planning ahead, but they don't do as well on relational boundaries. And the reason that becomes 
a problem is that it's still an imbalance in their life with boundaries. And the other, the opposite can be true too. Someone may be very good at relational boundaries, but not good at functional boundaries and getting their work done. Yeah, and all of us are probably like thinking, okay, but I might be one of those. <laughs> Honestly, very likely we're going to see ourselves in many of these yes. in many ways, yep. or at different stages in our lives as we've grown or changed. But I think fundamentally, all of us are going to have struggles with this. Uh, I was talking with a, a good friend of mine, and we were talking about reading about boundaries and how you know, you, you know the book begins to challenge us or the the teachings on and learning about boundaries is challenging because it begins to um it's like the the uh guy says with the sermons that will preach or you quit preaching and went to meddling right so when it gets to dealing with your own issues like at first you're like oh yes i know that that person has this problem and i recognize right. that yes they need to work on that and you go oh this is me <laughs> and i need to do this and that's where it gets yes. hurt <laughs> I, I thought far more about myself sure. as I was reading uh, through this this book because there's there's kind of two sides when we're talking about we're we're talking about setting boundaries but we're also talking about respecting other people's boundaries. Yes, and you know again as we talked about last week, uh, it's really important to have good solid boundaries. Uh, it is important and biblical to assess whether or not you do have good boundaries. Um, this is something that, uh, in especially in counseling and, and learning more about myself and how I cope or don't cope well with certain situations, and learning that I, uh, I have not been good at setting boundaries. And, and especially, as we mentioned just a bit ago, in, in terms of um, being not having boundaries so that I allow people to um, decide what I'm going to do and feel like I can't say no, which leaves me stressed and tired uh, and overworked. And then also um, avoiding sharing when I have legitimate needs. And those are areas that, you know, these are things that we have to, I have to work on for myself and hopefully also helping my children learn better boundaries for themselves as well. These are things, those of us that are moms, that we're teaching our children as we as we go along. Well, we wanted to talk about some specifics. Um, I know some of the feedback that we got from last week um, asked about some specifics, so I think this will be really helpful. Um, we'll start with in friendship and work, and kind of the first most basic is knowing your limits, your your own and what others can expect from you. And and then I'll also add prioritizing your work. We talked last week about priorities. You know, Rachel, you've mentioned your uh, struggle to get overwhelmed, to maybe take on too mm. much. And learning, it, I mean, this is something, too, that I've had to learn, learning how to say, okay, here's all of these things that I could do, what's most important I got to, you know, my family and marriage, that's got to take priority before I start accepting other tasks. And I know it's kind of a, one of those cliche examples that gets used, but like, you know, when you're on the airplane 
and they tell you that if there's a, a problem on the plane and the air the oxygen masks drop, what are you supposed to do? Yes. Put your own on and then help those who are with you, right? And our instincts as mothers, right? Well, no, I want to put that mask on my baby as quickly as I possibly can. And you're like, yes, but I'm no good to that baby if I pass out first, <laughs> you know? Right. And so it's the same thing concept is here. Uh, the same concept is here. That's a great right? point. We have to take care of our core responsibilities and um, the things that are truly our responsibilities for us so that we can help others. And if we do take good care of setting boundaries so that we can say, like we talked about last time, about so that we can have uh, learn when to say no so that when we, when we say yes, it's more meaningful and uh, it's a better stewardship of our resources. Yeah, if we say yes to too many things, we're probably not going to have the energy or even ability to do our best at, at all of those things. And you can do better, um, like with what you were saying, it's a good stewardship. I think it is good to think of it in terms of stewardship, right? That we have so many things, right? We have so many, uh, so much time. We have so many resources. We have so much, so much um that we are responsible for, that we just have to decide. We can't do everything that we might want to do or that others might ask us to do. Another limit that we have to recognize with friendship and work, and as well as other relationships, is you cannot control other people. You can't control even difficult people. What you can control or what you can try to control is their access to you. And that can be physical access to you, but it can also be emotional access to you. Uh, the quote that I really liked uh, from the book on this says, the most important thing to remember is you can't control, this is a her in the example, but you can choose to limit your exposure to her either physically or, or emotionally distancing yourself from her. This is self-control. It says, avoid trying to gain the approval of this sort of person. It will never work. You will only feel controlled. And avoid getting in arguments and discussions. You will never win. Uh, it says, if you allow them to draw you in, thinking you will change them, you are asking for trouble. Stay separate. Keep your boundaries. Don't get sucked into their game. And I can almost bet that every one of you listening right now is thinking of a particular relationship or person that you've dealt with either right now or in your past, that this would apply to. Because I'm, all of us have difficult people in our lives, um, either family, friends, work relationships, church relationships. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're not, we, we're not going to do a separate part on, but was also in the book that I thought was helpful, deals with um, setting boundaries for, uh, like, online social media technology use. And I think this would absolutely apply to that person who gets under your skin online, right? There's a reason that scripture has in the Proverbs, it says, you know, answer a fool according to their, to their folly, lest they be wise in their own estimation. And then the very next verse is, do not answer a fool, um, lest you be like them, right? And it is wisdom to determine when it's time to, use, to answer someone and when it's time to exercise self-control and, you know, hold our tongues and not get not get into it, and I think that that is a, an important lesson to learn with boundaries. Um, I think it's also equally important to recognize um, that what we can control, we can't control other people, but you can control their access to you, and sometimes that means controlling how much 
weight you give what they say to you or about you. And certainly we all have people um, that say ugly things to us at times. You can't physically get away from everybody who's rude. But there, you can say, you know, as my great-grandmother would say, consider the source, right? I am not going to let what that person say determine who I am. Or that person says determine who I am. That was really well said. And I'm glad you brought up the online especially those of us in theology circles. A while ago, I set out um, some very clear boundaries myself for online interaction, and I try to remember them. Uh, one of the things that I will ask myself is, if let's say I'm in a conversation and there's a disagreement you know, on Facebook or Twitter, and I ask myself, is this conversation fruitful? And if I think it ceased to be fruitful, it's not going to be fruitful to continue, then I walk away. And we even used something very similar in the Facebook group. Um, we were very clear that we are not a debate group, but if there is a disagreement, two sides, um, you know, the admins will step in sometime and say, okay, we're done here. It's not going to be fruitful to continue. And the passage from Proverbs that you mentioned is the one that that I try to be mindful of. Um, I did want to mention, too, uh, one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking with that quote, Rachel, is sometimes there's people that you can't um, limit actual access. Right. So maybe it's a coworker. And we talked in the narcissism episode about gray rock, and I think that applies here, where um, you basically act like a gray rock. Um, you know, if they say something to you, sometimes people will say things almost trying to get you into a certain sort of discussion mm -hmm. and just not really responding. There are people like that. It's called emotional vampires, right? They, they're sucking energy off of you, right? Your response is your emotions. And so you have to learn not to give them anything, right? You have to learn to... And again... There's a difference between if you're in an abusive situation and you need to consider your physical, emotional well-being and, and get out of this situation versus the the garden variety difficulties that many of us experience on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So, we're, those are two different things that we're talking about here, right? Um, but yes, you, have, you can limit someone's access to your emotions as well, where you simply don't share with them things that you know that they would use to hurt you um, or make fun of you. The next example we're going to talk about is church. And I think um, some of the things we talked about with Diane Langberg and with Scott McKnight and his daughter, um, we talked about some of these very things. Uh, one of the one of the biggest thing is, you know, things are are kind of dressed in in God talk or spiritual talk. They they use that to manipulate, and so sometimes it's very it's very very hard because of the way it's painted in that kind of spiritual language. And you know, we're putting this as a category revolving around church, but it can certainly be used in any other category that we're talking about. It can be used in friendships, it can be used online, it can be used in marriage, it can be used parents to ch parent to children, um, any way that we use 
um, it's, it's guilt manipulation um, that is used. Uh, it uses scripture or religious aspects and overtones in order to control. Uh, the book gave several examples. Uh, see if you've heard some of these. Uh, how can you call yourself a Christian? But doesn't the Bible say you need to honor your parents, husband? Uh, you're not being very submissive, and I'm sure that grieves the Lord. I thought Christians were supposed to think of others. What kind of religion would teach you to abandon your own family? Or you must really have a spiritual problem to be acting this way. Uh, I'm sure we could think of others that you could add to this, but uh, the book goes on to say that people who say these things are trying to make you feel guilty about your choices. They're trying to make you feel bad about deciding how you'll spend your time and resources, about growing up and separating from your parents, or about having a separate life from a friend or spiritual leader. And I think the most important thing that we can learn uh, in, from this is how to recognize when we're being guilted and manipulated and think about what someone is saying to you and what they're trying to, to create in you. Because there's a difference between actual like guilt that we feel for sin. And that, uh, that's a good and important thing that we feel have our consciences pricked when we've done something wrong and we need to repent. But there's also attempts by people to create false guilt in us, things that we shouldn't be feeling guilty about, or things that we don't need to, that we weren't sin, and we are not sinning against someone and doing. They're just differences of opinion, or they're differences in decisions. Uh, or someone who does not have the right to tell you what to do is trying to control you in what you're doing. Well, I would, I would really like you to talk about the marriage mm-hmm. Um, one, cause I think, uh, a lot of this really, um, kind of fits in with things you've even talked about in your, in your book, because I think how we even view marriage, um, is important because there's some unhealthy views out there. It's one of the areas that I think you get the most pushback when you start talking about boundaries. Uh, people say, well, how can you have boundaries in marriage, right? You have you know, you're the two are one flesh, right? You, you, you know, you become this this entity as a married couple, right? That how can you set boundaries with this person who knows you so intimately? And the book points out that yes, two people are made one flesh in marriage, but we are still two individuals in the marriage, and we know this. You know, both naturally, but also um, kind of instinctually that we know that each of us in the marriage have things that we are responsible for and that are not the responsibility of the other person. And we need to take care of those responsibilities, whichever they are, whatever they are, in order to be um, uh, faithful to uh, our marriage, to be uh, responsible adults, and to be uh, caring and loving with each other. Um one of the things that the book also pointed out that the things that are involved around personhood, um, our feelings, our behaviors, our attitudes, our values, the choices that we make, these things, it's a violation to try to control these, even if you're married, right? Um, we don't have the right to control another person um, on what they feel or what they believe or um, 
how how they choose to uh, honor God, for example. Uh, in the standards we talk about um, that, that God is the Lord of the conscience, and that isn't negated simply because we're married. Like Each one of us has to determine what is the right way to uh, obey God in certain situations. And ideally, in a good marriage, you're going to agree on most of these things uh, because you're both working together with the same goals. But you might not. And, you know, if you you can come to some um, agreements or some uh, compromises on how to do things when you disagree. But the important thing to realize here is that it is a violation of personhood to try to control another person, even um, your spouse, when you're trying to control something so... Um, something so essential as who they are as a person. And something I thought was really fabulous in the book, it mentions that when these, because the men who wrote the book are counselors, uh, and they, they said majority of the time when, when a couple comes for counseling and they, they, the problem that's brought to them is that there are problems with the wife not submitting, that almost always you have in this situation is a controlling husband. And I appreciate that they said that because that's certainly what, um, what we've talked about here. We've talked about in various episodes on marriage, on divorce, on abuse uh, with Diane Langberg, with um, others, uh, with Todd Bordeaux, that there are these ideas about marriage and about submission and about uh, men and women that aren't biblical, that aren't, that are actually abusive, and that demean and harm women, uh, particularly women, uh, because someone, because they're taught that men should control all aspects of their wives, that wives should, when it talks about being, we should submit to our husbands as to the Lord in all things, that that means that you know, we don't have opinions, we don't have a right to stand up for ourselves, we, you know, we can't have our own emotions and attitudes and uh, choices, especially in how we're going to follow the Lord, that we, all that is subsumed because we're married. And, you know, that's not the biblical picture, that's not what, what is taught in Scripture. Um, We know that both um, husband and wife are individuals in Christ are responsible for their relationship with the Lord individually. Um, you know, my husband can't save me. I can't save him. Um, and same goes with our children. We can't save them either. It's, it's each one of us has to have our own relationship with the Lord and we are responsible for that. And we each have the Holy Spirit, which means each one of us is being indwelt by the Spirit, and the Spirit is at work in us to help us to learn to obey the Lord and serve Him well. And we are responsible for what we do in those ways. Along these lines, one of the things that, and not just for marriage, but in general that I've had to learn, um, is that each one of us is responsible for our own actions, but we are not responsible for how others respond. Like we we can't control their response, and they can't they should not control us with their response. Right? 
We're responsible for what we do, and we should do it in a kind and thoughtful and loving way. We shouldn't we shouldn't harm each other in what we do. Um, but each one of us has our own responsibilities. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I we talked last week uh, about this is not an excuse to be unkind or mean, or we are still called to the things that you know, love and peace and patience and kindness and grace, and we're still called to those things. Um, one of the, probably the most obvious when we're talking about setting boundaries, um, examples we think of is is with our children. You know, as soon as they can crawl, you're telling them, no, you can't put anything into the light socket, or you can't touch these things. Mm-hmm. You know, probably think of some very... Um, practical boundaries that we have to set with our children. You mentioned last week, Rachel, no, you can't pull my hair <laughs> or poke my eye. Can't stick your finger up my nose. <laughs> Things we've all removed their little fingers. No, please don't. <laughs> and from the time that they're very young, we are, we're teaching them to have boundaries. Um, and as they grow, we're, we're helping our children to learn responsibility and take ownership of life. Um, you know how, uh, you know, anyone that has more than one child and and one of them does something and they're almost like, well, it's it's his fault I did it because he did this, you know. And we're, we're teaching them to take responsibility when they've done something that is their responsibility. No, you can't blame your brother. Um, you know, your brother was wrong too, but you were also wrong or things like that. And one of the things, and I think... There are so many examples of this, but sometimes you can have too many boundaries mm-hmm. with children, be very controlling. Uh, we've talked about even some of the parenting programs out there that tend towards that, like the um, to train up a child. Mm-hmm. But then you can also have a lack of boundaries, N- you know, not not have enough boundaries. Like so many things, when we're navigating this, we need to have wisdom, there needs to be a balance um, there. And then the other one, you, I'm sure everybody, at least I don't hear this as much anymore, but when my kids were young, people used to say, the most important thing is being consistent, <laughs> you know. Um, so the other thing that can happen is inconsistent limits. So, and and that can be combining strict laws and and lax limits. and Or going back and forth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's hard. I I know it's hard. You know, you tell your child not to do something, but you're busy making dinner and you don't take the time to go and correct them and say, no, you, it is not okay for you to do that. Um, Oh, fine. I'll just let them do it this time. Or, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of work when, when kids are young. And I think seeking wisdom, I, I often say one of my disappointment with most parenting books is what they don't tell you is every one of your children is going to have a different personality Mm -hmm. and how you deal with that child will be different from child to child. And you're different, right? Right. I've learned a lot about myself between my oldest and my youngest about how, what, what was important and what wasn't and how to do things with them and what was worth fighting and what wasn't. Yes. All of us oldest children understand the burnt this. Pancake. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're burnt on one side and raw on the other because we're the first pancake. Yeah. And I say that lovingly. I am the firstborn of a firstborn of a firstborn. So there's a lot of that there. <laughs> oh, I'm the firstborn of a firstborn of a firstborn too. <laughs> Probably explains a lot about us there, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. 
Um, so, so much of this is wisdom. Mm. You know, I, my, my oldest child, very, very strong personality. And sometimes, you, you know, you'd say, no, you can't do that. Well, I'm going to do it anyways, <laughs> sort of thing. Right. My second child, if you even looked at him disappointed, he'd just cry. I'm so sorry. You know, so how I dealt with these two children was different. I had to use wisdom. There's a lot of seeking wisdom involved here. Yeah, I think that's very important. Um, And, you know, um, as we're learning to develop better boundaries for ourselves, we're also going to need to be helping our children, if we have children, to develop their own boundaries as well. And there are things, you know, there's some great books out there on teaching children appropriate physical boundaries, right? So what they know about uh, when it's, you know, so that people don't touch them in ways that make them uncomfortable or ways that they shouldn't be touched. These are boundaries that they need to learn. But also uh, helping our children with their emotions and emotional boundaries. It, you know, it, it's okay for them to express their emotions, um, although they do need to learn how to express it appropriately. Um, I have uh, given more than one of my boys a set of uh, Hulk fists and told them to go pound a pillow for a while because they needed to work it out in a way that wasn't damaging to themselves or others or items in the house. And, you know, so there are all those kinds of teaching our children how to express their emotions in a way that is appropriate, age appropriate, and is also appropriate for society. That's a great idea, too. Even sometimes, you know, your child has kind of that fight or flight thing going on and and they're wanting to fight. And so teaching them how to kind of use up some of that energy in appropriate ways. Well, and not teaching them that, you know, it's, it's wrong to have emotions because there's certainly, and we're talking about the, the, um, the ways that uh, common conservative Christian beliefs about men and women and about people and about uh, emotion that, you know, men aren't allowed to express any emotions or have them and, um, you know, women emotions are manipulative, and and so it's it's important for us to teach our children that emotions are good and healthy and right. But we also learn to control ourselves and how we express ourselves and treat others, and these are you know that balance and wisdom of what you're talking about. So, Rachel, could you talk about boundaries and and victims? This is this is really an important one. I really appreciated that the book had a section for boundaries and abuse survivors. Um, they, they give some uh, lists of things that are, uh, you know, what someone who has been through abuse, what they may um, experience as far as how their boundaries have been um, abused and how they have to, how it's hard for them to set good boundaries as a result. And, um, it talks about, um, particularly in the case with children, um, that abuse like this causes damage to to the to the character of a child, to a person. Um, it causes distortions, with spiritual, emotional, cognitive distortions, depending on what kind of abuse they've suffered. Because, um, as the book says, and I like this quote, a victim is a person who has, while in a helpless state, been injured by the exploitation of another. Some victimization is verbal, physical, sexual, etc. Um, what they say, though, is you see 
helplessness, injury, and exploitation in anyone who has experienced abuse. And some of the results that you may see uh, has a list that I like depression, compulsive disorders, isolation, inability to trust others, inability to form close relationships or set limits, poor judgment, um, and possibly further exploitation in those relationships. Um, They may experience a deep sense of uh, badness that they believe that they are what's wrong. That's what the, something bad about them is why they were abused. Of course, this is not true. This is a distortion. Um, they may feel shame, guilt. They may have a chaotic lifestyle. Um, they have may have terror or panic attacks, phobias, rage, suicidal feelings or thoughts. All of these things um, may be what someone who may be um, results and aspects of a person's life when they have experienced abuse, especially in their formative years, but it it can be for anyone who's been through abusive situations. Um, I like that they pointed out in the book that this has long-lasting and far-reaching effects on the lives of adult survivors, and healing for for, uh, abuse survivors is difficult because their developmental processes have been damaged or interrupted by abuse. Um, and the most primary damage done is the loss of a sense of trust, a sense of trust and sense of ownership. Um, what the book recommended, and I highly uh, support this, is that anyone who has been through, um, is abuse survivor, has been through abuse, that you're looking at trying to set good boundaries, that it's wise to get uh, the help of a professional counselor, in setting boundaries and learning to set boundaries in your life and in your relationships. Um, Through all of uh, the book's recommendations is that you need to set boundaries from a place where you have support um, and uh, have, you know, secure, um, loving relationships to support you through setting these boundaries. And especially if you've been through, uh, through abuse, the help of a professional counselor um, is invaluable in learning how to set your boundaries and also how to um, have your boundaries respected. We're going to wrap it up with why why it's hard to set boundaries. You know, last week um, we talked about as Christians, sometimes I think we have a, a wrong understanding of certain things. So in my Am I honoring my parents if I set boundaries with them? Things like that. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> yes. In fact, it's a loving thing to do. Yes. Um, but when we're, if we're in relationships right now, and I'm sure everybody is, I heard from, you know, people this week that said that the episode was timely for them because they're trying to learn to set boundaries in a specific relationship in their life. But when we're kind of setting those new boundaries, there's that fear of the loss of relationship. Um, are we being good stewards of God's grace? I think it was you, Rachel, that said, was it, I, I can't remember who said it, that if you do lose that relationship, um, now I forget exactly what it was. but We probably covered it in the last episode. It's, it's something that they, ta- they cover in the book, that if you lose a relationship, especially like a friendship, over setting boundaries. If you set reasonable boundaries that are are godly ones and you lose a friend through it then they were never 
a friend in the true sense, but were someone that found you useful for whatever they were getting from you, uh, which could be, you know, that you met needs for them that they didn't want to meet for themselves. And that can be emotionally or um, you know, money. It could be time, support, whatever. That, but in a in a good friendship, where there are uh, two people who both um, really care about each other, um, actual boundaries that are healthy should not destroy a relationship, although we are often afraid of that. And I think that sometimes makes it more difficult for us because um, we fear these things. Um, people can get angry. I think that if you have somebody in your life that's already kind of a controller, they they may they may get angry. They may um, seek to manipulate you further because um, they're kind of losing that control. Which is a sign that you you really do need the boundaries that you're putting in place. Right. It's also something you know. Again, if you are in a relationship where there is abuse, um, you need to get um, to a safe place and get help and support, um, especially before establishing boundaries, because you don't want to put yourself in actual danger uh, or increased danger um, through doing this. And you know, the the authors of the book would say the same. It's not, you know, you want to set boundaries in relationships where it's safe to do so first. Um, and, you know, the this is not, in, when we're talking about these things, we're not telling people who are in abusive relationships how to um, stay in the relationship and protect themselves. That's something that you need to work out with um, counselors and law enforcement or whatever for the extent of the relationship and the abuse. And I'm going to mention as as part of that, if you're in a potentially dangerous situation and you're not sure who to call, there are domestic violence organizations um, all around the country. And if you're in a potentially dangerous situation, you really need to have assistance. There's also blamers. They could be like, how could you? You know, and, and be manipulative in return. And like those who are angry, the problem... They really have the problem. It's not your problem and your fault for setting the boundary. You know, again, you're responsible for your own actions, and we should not hurt others. But you're not responsible for how they respond. And so if someone responds in anger or in blaming you, that really is on them. And again, we aren't talking about being unkind. But if you're setting a healthy boundary that's godly and appropriate, and someone responds in anger or in blaming you or guilting you, that is... That's on them. They are they are the one who is um, who are um, responding poorly to the situation. And say it, it's normal to have grief or sadness over uh, the loss of a relationship. Um, I, I liked the advice that they give. Um, if you do set boundaries that are good and appropriate, and you lose someone because they were never really there for you in the first place. Um, The book says in a quote that I liked, in the safety of your supportive relationships, face what you will never have from that person or who this person symbolizes. This will be like a funeral. Um, You may not go through all the stages, like the grief, uh, stage of grief, denial, bargaining, etc. 
but it's normal to feel those kinds of grieving grieving over the loss of a relationship, even if it's the loss of what you had hoped from a relationship. Yeah, and I think sometimes because we fear losing that relationship, you know, we maybe will delay in setting boundaries. And a lot of people do stay in destructive relationships for this reason, because they fear losing the relationship. They don't want to be alone. All of us are afraid of being alone. And, you know, again, this is where um, we recommend that you have and seek out um, supportive people, loving people, strong relationships that you can lean on for your support when you are having to um, set boundaries and for when setting boundaries um, causes uh, the grief of losing relationship or just the, the pain of dealing with difficult people. If you're somebody that, even if it's a friend that you're trying to navigate, um, or it's church, or it's employment, uh, getting professional counseling can really help. Highly recommend. Yes. it's That's one of the things that's pretty common with my friends that have been in professional counseling is learning to set boundaries. And it's helpful to have somebody to talk through that with that kind of knows a lot about that. There's so much more we could have talked about. I actually had like two more pages full of notes because there's there's so much good in that book. But what I'm just going to recommend is get that book because there's going to be a lot in there. It was so helpful for me. And um, I think it's, you know, one of the best books I've found on setting boundaries. I'm sure there's other ones out there. They also have um, books that are more specific. So like there's Boundaries in Marriage. There's a book that's just on that. Uh, which is also really helpful. Um, so there may be a, you know, something that's more um, geared to what your what your need is. Um, but I would encourage you to uh, to read it, to read up about this, um, not to let the um, uh, I guess the the Christian cultural fear of psychology and buzzwords like boundaries uh, put you off from from looking into the, the concept and, and the the help that you can get in your relationships through this the goal in all of this is to, to um, be a good steward of your resources that God has given you to be able to take care of yourself and your responsibilities and then to be able to help others and so as long as we keep those that our goals are um, you know serving the Lord serving others and being responsible um, I think you'll find that in setting setting boundaries, while it's difficult and it can be very unpleasant at times, um, the ultimate end can be very fruitful. That was a great way to wrap it up. So, well, thank you for joining us. We we are going to talk, I think, a, a couple more episodes on abuse along the way here. I'm not sure the order yet. Uh, we've gotten all, so much feedback uh, about like the spiritual abuse episode. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten messages and someone will say, this is what's going on. Is this abuse? And it'll be an extreme situation. But so many people maybe are accustomed to these sorts of situations. They don't even recognize it and are trying to just figure things out, navigate the situation. So uh, check the, the spiritual abuse episode, too, if you haven't. And we'll see you next week.